Hello everyone, this is Matthias Alberton, the creator of Martial Attitude, and this is Martial Attitude Voice. In this series of uh, podcasts, we are exploring the concept of fear and anxiety in professional boxing, and we have met different uh, athletes at professional levels in different categories. Today I am in London. I am with uh, Jockey Amici, uh, 34 years old, Southeast London. His division is uh, Super Bantam, and he has a record of uh, three bouts, three wings, and actually for one four KO. Yeah. Actually, Jockey is training at the Double Jab Boxing Club and has been involved as an ambassador, let's say, as an advocate for the Jab Don't Stab initiative. Yeah, that's correct. Which is an initiative uh, addressing the growing problem of knife crime among young people in the UK. Actually, I have made a bit of research and I was looking for the statistics of recent years and uh, the, the knife crime rate has been going up up to 30% in 10 years. And last year, 2022, it was something like 12,000 stabbings just in London. Mm. So an enormous rate. And also, Joke has declared in a beautiful interview available on YouTube a few years ago that boxing can be seen as a violent sport, but in no way, shape or form did it make me an angrier person. If anything, it made me more calm and that through discipline, I don't need to react with anger all the time. Joke, thank you very much for being here. How do you do? Okay, it's a pleasure. So I would start from these last two things. First of all, I think it's quite important to address this uh, uh, jab, don't stab initiative. Are you still involved with it? Um, yeah, so I, as long as I've, I've been a part of Double Jab Boxing, club is that's their motto that's what they stand by they they are constantly trying to work with the youth with the upcoming generations to to just pick up sport instead of maybe doing juvenile stuff getting into gangs violence knife crime and things like that so they're trying to take say the youth off the street not just the youth but anyone involved in that type of situation um, take them off the street and bring them to boxing because boxing ultimately is there to build confidence and teach you discipline. I believe that there are many transferable skills from boxing, that it, it translates into many other things. If I was to use myself for an example, I have felt that since starting boxing, I, and I say this all the time to people that I've spoken to, people that I mentor, I've said to them that boxing has made me believe that there's nothing in this world I cannot do. When I first started boxing, I wasn't good. I just started, I kept going, I kept going, I kept going. It was just consistency, consistency, consistency. For me, that translates into many other things. If you're consistent in anything in this world, obviously within reason, there is no reason why you can't get to a certain level. If you wanna become an engineer, practice, practice, practice. If you wanna learn another language, Practice, practice, practice. Boxing is the hardest thing I've ever done. It was harder than getting my degree in university. And it taught me that just through being consistent, look how good I am now. And I'm not even at the best that I can be. And I know I can go even further. That's what I take from boxing. Just to put this into a wider perspective of life perspective, mm -hmm. you're now 34 years old. Yeah. You start boxing... When? What age? I started boxing when I was 25. When I was 25. So I started boxing what is considered quite late. I grew up in sport. I played football practically all my life. Played at very good levels. I started boxing just for extra fitness. The university degree that you were mentioning before, you did it before or pretty much at the same time that you started boxing? Um, before. Um, I graduated when I was 22, 23. Okay, yeah. so you were working at the time already when yeah. you started boxing, so for just extra fitness. Yeah. Why did you turn professional then? It's a funny one. So I didn't even think I would ever compete. I started just for extra fitness, and my coach at the time at Double Jab, uh, he asked me, would I like to compete? And I thought, mm, I'll, I'll see how it goes, see, see how my training comes along. And a couple months later, six months later, seven months, 
my coach Dick Kwame and Michael Harris they were like we think you're good enough like we think we could get you out there so I said okay let me box for at least one year and see how I feel then so it was about seven months at the time one year came I thought yeah why not let's, let's go for it I started boxing as an amateur competing in, as an amateur it got to a point where my style so there's there's a particular the amateur pace is very fast and it's points it's like point based whereas the pro game is more tactical it's like chess and it's I found that the amateurs didn't suit my style at all I would say I have a style where I like to be economical with the shots I throw the amateurs almost forces you to be quiet like <laughs> quiet like a machine gun just literally and that's not my style the pro game kind of slows it down you pick your shots it's more meaningful there were plenty of fights in the amateurs where I lost based on for example let's say you threw 30 punches and only 10 of them landed but I threw 20 and 15 of them landed good clean shots your nose could have been bleeding I could have given you a black eye I would have lost just based on the fact that you looked more busier than I was. That was hugely frustrating. And it didn't make sense in some ways because it's almost like they didn't credit your defense. I, I moved well, I tucked up well, I wasn't getting hurt. And, but yet people were winning. The judges would give the um, opponent the win because they looked busier. Quite a few times when I'd step out the ring, People I didn't even know would come up to me and say, oh, mate, you boxed excellent. Um, I don't know how you lost that. I don't know what the judges were seeing. And it happens quite a lot. You know, I don't want to be one of those people that just sound like I'm moaning or whining, but it does happen quite a lot. And I think I decided to turn pro when I reached the, the point where I was like, I've had enough of this. It was the Haringey Box Cup. It's one of um, It's a big box cup that happens in London. And I know I won that. that I lost it on a split decision. And I think it was a bit of frustration. I thought, oh, forget the, forget the amateurs. Let me just try the pro game. That's what led me towards it. But when I look back in hindsight, what also led me to the pro game was I started boxing late. And I'm a person, due to life experiences, I'm very much about creating memories, creating, creating legacy and, st and things like that. So if I thought, do you know what? Let me... Do the best I can. I'll try my best. If it doesn't work, I can say at least I tried. If it does work, at least I tried. Do you know what I mean? So I, I saw it as a win-win. As a I wasn't going to lose anything from trying. So that's what also made me think, do you know what? I want to also inspire people who, who get into things late because the world has a way of making you feel like, oh, you're too old to start something. Um, as long as you've looked after your body, and, and so, well, with physical sports anyway, if you've looked after yourself well, why, why can't you go on? Don't let the world make you think you're too old to do something. So I wanted to break that narrative. And that's one of my biggest motivators for me to keep going because I know I'm good enough and I want to break that narrative and hopefully inspire people that, I mean, there are people who think they're too old who are like 21 years old. I'm like, I started at 25. Or they think they're too old who start and they're starting at 17. Like, that's that's all rubbish in my opinion. You know, you have to just go for it. Actually, I found very interesting what you just said about, let's say, the concept of uh, consistency beats uh, anything, really. Mm -hmm. So if you're consistent enough, you can achieve anything mm -hmm. within reason. And you said that boxing by far was the most challenging thing that you have done. 200%. Why so? Do you think that nothing that you have done was so challenging or you were not up for the task of this specific task? I would say definitely nothing I've done has been... Like when you're studying, when you're studying, you've got materials. You've got materials. You can go on Google, you can... AI is the new thing now. You can use AI. You can draw so much things from, from technology to aid your studies. I'm not saying it's not hard. It can be hard, but there are materials that support you. With boxing, with boxing, it's, 
it's mad. Sometimes I say to myself, what am I doing this sport for? In terms of, I love food. There are many other boxers who love food. And some boxers do do this in an unhealthy way. But if you are a boxer, you want to be the strongest weight you can be, but at the lowest, fighting at the lowest weight. So I don't know the statistics, but many of us generally overeat generally like a portion of food because when I really check it when I started looking at what I'm eating and for example a portion of rice is probably should fit in my palm should fit in my palm but the average person if they're eating a portion of rice or pasta or whatever it may be they're having a whole plateful so that that discipline to eat smaller portions that is that is tough it's very tough the discipline to 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 make sure you're doing your runs the discipline to keep going and punching 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 whether it be pads be it the punching bag being sparring you're getting hit you're getting hurt your shoulders are burning your legs feel like they're going to drop off there's so much pain it's a weird thing there's so much pain that physical pain in the sport and mentally sometimes your brain just feels foggy because you're on smaller portions you're losing weight, but you're trying to push hard. It's, it, it challenges you in, in, in every way possible, physically, mentally, spiritually. It, your faith, am I good enough? Do you know what? That guy looks good, but I'm going to beat him. Like, it challenges you. When you're studying, you haven't got, I don't know. You, you know that like, you need to have put that work in. That's why I say it's the hardest thing. No one can hold your hand. Your coach can do so much. Your promoters, your managers can do so much. But ultimately, when you get in that ring, you can't look at them and say, come in here with me. You have to, everything you've done before should hopefully shine in that ring because that same person is coming to, to beat you. They're coming to literally win. Like, yeah, that's, that's why. That's why it's the hardest thing. There's so much sacrifice. It could be things like, holidays could be from the oh, your friend says let's go let's go to a party let's go to this let's go to this club let's go to this barbecue i've been to barbecue sometimes and i can't really eat what's there um not because of my dietary preferences but it's like you know what um i've i've got a particular schedule of of like a um a nutritionist what i'm going to eat what i'm not going to eat Do you know what? i've had my calories for the day and being around all that food or, or some bo- boxers, I don't know if they if they like to drink. I don't know some people who may want to smoke. You need your lungs in boxing. You know, there's just so much. I make it sound all bad. It's not. It's there's a certain satisfaction you do get from it, but there's so much discipline required. That's why it's one of the I would say it's the hardest thing I've ever done. For a greater good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, no doubt. No doubt at all. That being? The greater good being, I'm, I would say I'm an advocate for health. Health is wealth. I want to know that as I get older, that I've got, my lungs are strong. You know, if I, when I get to 50, 40, 50, 60, I could still do a light jog. I want to be able to walk strong, you know. Um, like, God willing, I don't want to be, like, plagued with, certain i don't know health concerns i feel like if you're if you look after your body especially physically you do your stretching you do your strength work you do your running like that's the greater good that comes from boxing that's why for me it goes hand in hand and i think this is what helps me because i want to be a healthy individual okay i'm doing a sport that is very tough so both goes together so i'm training plus i want to be healthy so it's like yeah, and I eat well. I eat well in general. So, What kind of opponent are you going to meet next time? And when will next time be? My next fight is September 23rd. It is a 10-rounder, a title eliminator. So whoever wins this will then push on to fight for the Southern Area title, Super Bantamweight. My opponent, to be honest, I don't know too much about him. I saw him once when I was boxing as an amateur. He actually boxed someone from my boxing club. 
He actually won by a stoppage. I remember, I remember it. He won by a stoppage. From what I saw of him, he looked like a come forward fighter. He had a bit of an engine on on him, and then out of nowhere, threw a, an overhand, and yeah, hit a guy from my boxing gym, and yeah, dropped him. Um, that's the only fight I've really seen of him. He's had four fights. He's lost one. I've had three, one, three. I don't really know too much about him. In all honesty, all my opponents, I've never really looked too much into them. Anyway, I I believe some people think otherwise. You should study your opponents, but I believe that every opponent brings out a different you. There are different things you will employ in that ring at that time. So you can study an opponent, but then when it comes to fight night. And they don't do what you've kind of been training for because you see them. Oh, they always drop their hand this way, or they always throw this. Then you're kind, of, in some ways, you're gonna be like, oh wow. So I watch maybe a bit and then leave it as that. Okay, I've watched one or two rounds. Okay, leave it as that. I don't really wanna see much more. Kind of leave that part of the work to my coach. And uh, the last fight you did have, mm. how did it go? Well, were you satisfied um, with your performance back then? June twenty fourth was my last fight. It went well. I got I got the stoppage. It was frustrating, but a learning curve. I hurt my opponent pretty early on. I think it was near the end of the first round. It was only a four rounder. So end of the first round, coming into the second round, he just kept holding me, kept clinching, kept hugging, kept clinching, kept hugging, and I lost my head a little because at the time. I was getting worried because it's only a four rounder. I was getting worried that with all this clinching and holding, I'm not getting to work. And then this kind of takes me back to the amateur days. Amateurs is only three rounds where you're forced to rush. And this is why I'm looking forward to this ten rounder because I feel like now we can really play chess. When it's four rounds, it's just quick, quick, quick. And when my opponent kept hugging me, then the referee was saying to me, "Stop pulling him down, telling him to stop coming." I'm saying, and I remember saying to the ref, "I'm not doing it. He's holding me. What am I meant to do?" It was frustrating. Um, it was a learning curve, but I, I won't. Yeah, I won't lose my head again. Uh, what kind of training phase are you in? In terms of phases, so at the moment I'm doing a lot more sprints and explosive work. The earlier phase was more the strength, the slow power. Strength stuff. Now it's just more explosive and sprint work. Would you reckon uh, life uh, itself to be a fight? Yeah. So I believe to survive, if we do nothing, you you fade away. And what I mean by that is, if you don't train, for example, your muscles get weaker. If you just sit on a couch on a chair, do nothing. If you spend most of your time just I don't know watching TV, playing games. But you don't gain experiences by doing stuff by living. Eventually, you fade away. In order to improve, in order to grow, you have to do more. You have to do things that are challenging. And challenge—that's where I see where life is like a fight. Because if you really want to live, you have to do things that you have never done, and that's where it becomes challenging. And in a sense, a challenge is like a fight. I don't want to relate this too much to what you have uh, experienced directly in your life. Mm-hmm. Let's say yeah. I don't want to get there if you don't want to get there. However, I find interesting the connection between uh, your understanding life being a fight and uh, your being involved in uh, job don't stop mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we were talking about you know kind of a situation where actually life is not easy, yeah. <laughs> let's say, or it mm. can be quite rough. It's not always like this. It's not for everyone like mm-hmm. this. But you went through pretty much something that made you change and actually boxing helped you quite mm. a lot. So now you advocate for this. You think that boxing is a bit of a mirror of life in this respect? I like how that's put boxing being a mirror of life. Yeah, I would say I would say so because in this life you don't get given anything for free. And I'm not talking about benefits or whatever, but literally unless you are born in a wealthy family that and you grow up and you don't have to really work for stuff yourself, 
there's nothing in this life that you get for free. You have to, even, even in terms of getting an education, yeah, okay, education in that sense is free up until a certain age, but you have to work to be educated, if I'm making sense. Um, I can't just turn up to school and, and not focus and expect to know my times tables, expect to know creative writing or expect to know um, geometry or biology. I have to go and be attentive. I have to take my notes. I have to study. Metaphorically speaking, life being a fight, fight, I don't mean literally fighting, of course, but to gain things, metaphorically, you have to fight, fight being working for it. You have to actively seek to gain these things. And that's only how you can live. I feel like if you don't do anything in life, if you don't do anything, you're not, you're not really living. To live is to fight, literally. That's, that's how, I, how I view it. And uh, before I quoted you, boxing can be seen as a violent sport. Mm -hmm. But would you believe that boxing is a dangerous sport? Definitely, definitely dangerous. So the difference here is between dangerous and violent. Yeah. Is it violent or not? Um, for you. Do you know what? For me, it's an interesting one. I was stuck until you said for me. And I think this kind of, it kind of um, echoes a lot of things that my coaches have said to me in the past. For me, it's not violent. <laughs> For me, it's not violent because one thing that I used to do when I go out to what I really expressed myself and it was fun. I don't wish, I don't, I've never felt to myself, oh my God, I'm going to really knock out this guy and kill them. And I've never felt like that. I've just felt like I'm literally going to do a sport and I'm going to win. One thing my coach has always said to me in the past is, and he joked about, and he used to call me Jokey the Merciful because, for example, there was a time when I was sparring and I remember I, I was sparring this guy and I hit him with a good shot. I saw him kind of wobble. A couple seconds later, his nose started flooding with blood. I kind of stepped back, put my hands down and my coach was like, what are you doing? And I was like, he's bleeding. He was like, don't be silly, carry on. And I was like, we're sparring. To me, it was like, we're sparring right now. He's hurt. There was no need for me to carry on. Do you know what I mean? For me, sparring, it was practice. But my coach says to me that if you have this mentality in sparring, you will take it into your actual fights. I don't really believe that, personally. I don't believe that. I feel like, I feel like it's controlled aggression. You know that, okay, a real fight is still just a sport. I'm not trying to kill this guy. I'm, I'm here to win. But in some ways, you hope that they, you hope that you break them down sooner than them having enough heart to keep taking that beating, if I'm making sense. <laughs> so that's where for me, it's not, it's not violent. I see it literally as a sport. And I just want to, I just want to make history. And you're in my way of me making that history. So I have to fight you in this sport, in these controlled conditions to just move on to the next fight. I win my next fight, I move on to the next fight. Hey, I've got a title shot now. Cool. I've beat you. I've won the title. Amazing. I move on to the next one. That's how I view it. Um, it's definitely dangerous. But for me, it's not, it's not violence. It's controlled. It's controlled aggression. What are the dangers that you see in boxing? Um, well, you can definitely die. You could die from it because it's, it's, it's a physical sport. You're hitting people. You know, you can have a street fight where you hit people and you die. In boxing, you're hitting people. So that's, that's the biggest danger. Brain damage. You could break bones. I wouldn't even dare to observe that is a bit Contraintuitive, what you said before about uh, boxing to be healthy <laughs> and acknowledging the dangers within boxing yeah. that you just expressed. There seems to be quite a startling contrast one another. So, 
on one hand, you're becoming healthier, so you can box more. Yeah. On the other hand, you take into account that, well, you know, things can go sideways. Yeah. That's fine for you. Yeah. Let's say, let's say, for example, touch wood, I was getting damaged badly after a fight and I was, I don't think, if I was getting consistently damaged, I don't think I would continue. I, I've got too much to lose outside of boxing. And there are some people who are, have so much heart and they, they're getting damaged, 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 and they keep coming back. I can't speak for them. I don't know how they do it. I don't know if anyone will call me a coward or call me weak for it. But if I was getting consistently damaged in the, what, eight years, nine years I've been boxing, I said this to a few stable mates the other day, I've never been hurt. I've never been knocked out. I've never been hit where I've seen double vision, bright lights. The one time I got hurt was when I first started, when I was maybe about four months in, I did some sparring. I sparred a heavier person. And I remember I hit him with a shot. And I think he got frustrated that I hit him with a shot and he hit me hard in the belly. And oh my gosh, I thought he broke my rib. But I managed to survive the rest of that round. That's the one time I've been hurt. But also, you just mentioned, importantly, consistently getting hurt. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, it's not that yeah. you're not expecting to get hurt. Yeah. It's a bit part of the job description. Yeah. But let's say that if it comes a bit of a habit, then there is a problem. Yeah, definitely. Let's put it in this way. Yeah, definitely. And if I started to notice, if I started to notice there were certain things that, I don't know, there's, there's a term called punch drunk. I'm not sure if you've heard of where... There are some boxers who tend to speak a lot slower and or they might stutter or mumble. If I started noticing that within me, then I would think, hmm, what's going on here? And I would think, yeah, I would, I would pack it in, call it a day, because like I said, I've got too much to lose outside of boxing. Joke, how would you define fear in your own words? <laughs> I'm laughing because what popped into my head was something I read a while ago. Fear, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> but um, how would I define fear? Fear is simply something that you, you are afraid of potentially happening. Yeah, that's what fear is. You're afraid of something that could potentially happen. And do you believe that fear in boxing is related to the intrinsic danger of boxing? See, it's, it's weird because I genuinely don't feel scared when I'm boxing. I think I would feel scared if I started noticing, oh, well, my head's throbbing crazy um, after a fight I had. And it, or if I started slurring my words and things see, didn't seem right. I think at that point I would be scared. But because I've never been hurt like that, I'm not afraid. And a lot of my um, lack of fear comes from that I'm confident in my, in my ability. I'm confident in my defense. And this uh, confidence in your defense, confidence in your skill set, abilities, is something that you have built through the years because of boxing or it is something unrelated to boxing? I would say definitely, definitely through boxing. Before boxing, yeah, I had altercations, silly street fights or fights in school. But I would say even back then, for me, it was more so, and, I, and this kind of I take into boxing, is like the person is a human being just like me. They bleed, I bleed. They will hurt, I hurt. So I've kind of never viewed someone, unless they are some well-schooled martial artist that can, you know, but the way I see it, I've been trained in boxing. My opponent's been trained in boxing. You know, let's see who, who's better. Let's see who, who wins. Comes to my mind, was fear different back then when you were not doing boxing? If I'm honest, I'm more afraid of street fights than I am of boxing. 
because quite simply, I believe that many, many people outside of boxing, many men outside of boxing, I believe with all due respect, they are, they are cowards. And when you are a coward or you're, they're experiencing fear, their fear of being embarrassed, i.e. being beaten up, they then result to getting friends to jump in with them or result into getting weapons. So I'm more afraid because boxing is controlled. We can only use our fists. We can't kick. This is why I don't do MMA. <laughs> too much, too much going on. Boxing is just hands. That's that's cool for me. So I'm more afraid of street fights because I don't know if that person who we've got into an altercation with outside of boxing, outside of this sport. I don't know if they've got a gun, a knife, a pole, a bat if they're waiting for five, with five other friends to jump me. And then a lot of that fear comes, like what I mentioned is, I've, I've got too much to lose. I've got a wife and a daughter that mean everything to me. And then on top of that, okay, let's say I come out on top, but dealt some serious damage. And then I go to prison. I have lost, not them, just because I've beat them up. If I'm in prison, I'm the loser. My wife and my kid are outside. I can't see them when I want to. I can't wake up. Do you know what I mean? That's another fear I have. That's why fear, fear of fighting outside of boxing, I'm more fearful of that than I am in boxing. Quoting you before, eventually what boxing taught you, if anything, is to make you more calm. Yeah. So to behave or to react less impulsively, perhaps. Yeah, because um, I have to, like, for example, my, my wife showed me a video the other day of, not a video, it was an article, sorry. Someone got hit, they fell back, hit their head, they died. Um, and she was sending it to me, not because she thinks I'm, but just a reminder that not to lose your head if, if you're ever provoked outside because you could simply lose your life, you know? If I hit someone, they drop, hit their head, they die, I go to prison. So for me, being how boxing made me become calmer in that sense was I know how to throw a good punch. <laughs> I know how to throw a calculated punch. I know how to, um, we're considered, our fists are now considered weapons because we've been trained in, in that aspect. So if I have an altercation, I have to always remember that, that that punch I throw is going to have a lot more intention than someone who wasn't trained in how to throw a punch. It can create, it can cause so much more damage. So it's a constant reminder that, do you know what? I don't need to, I don't need to. And I don't know the health concerns that that person has because a lot of people have many underlying health concerns. You know, it could be not even a hard punch, but they may have a, um, something wrong with their brain. They might suffer from, um, fits or epilepsy and I trigger something that then has a knock-on effect. Do you know what I mean? Just a lot more to consider. There is also a very interesting aspect in what you just said that I never thought about before, but you, you triggered this um, thinking in me. If you, you just mentioned that you are trained, uh, therefore your fists become weapons. Yeah. In uh, broader terms, if you hold a weapon, you hold a license for it. <laughs> yeah. And you do have uh, severe restrictions on taking this weapon with you, to carry this weapon with you mm -hmm. anywhere you go. Let's not take into account the Yankees for now, because <laughs> they, they have different setting yeah. down there. But let's say in continental Europe and the UK as well, we understand weapons in a different way, yeah. in a safer, more strict environment. Yeah. On the other hand, we have people like yourself who are carrying weapons yeah. <laughs> and we rely on their license uh, to live properly with them. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, more or less. That's something to think about it. Interesting. We talked about uh, a controlled environment, uh, a fight, 
between uh, equals, let's say. But how do you really enter the mindset of being in front of someone who is going to punch you, hurt you, or might be differently than you, willing to kill you in order to, to pass through you? How do you make sense of this thing? It's, 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 a, it's a strange one. Uh, my, my older brother said the same thing. He doesn't get how, how someone can punch me in the face, I'll punch them in the face, end of the round, we hug each other. I think how I make sense of it is it's just the same thing that I mentioned before. To me, it's just a sport. There's no hard feelings. You're just an opponent that's in the way of what I'm trying to achieve, what I'm trying to demonstrate to a wider audience and what I'm trying to inspire for other people who may be in similar positions where they feel, oh, am I too old to start this? Am I too, have I, have I let too much time pass? Or just like I, like I mentioned, I just, for me, those things over, override that any doubts or any fear that I have, I just make sense of it as that's just another human being in the same sport as me. I don't look at it any different just another human being in the same sport that I'm in. And I don't know their reason why. A lot of this comes from, from knowing your reason why. What, like, why am I doing this? I've questioned myself so many times. I feel like, for me, it's, it's, it's a very, very much a personal journey. I don't, I don't care to become famous as, and just known as the boxer who became the British champ or world champion. I want people to just be inspired by my character. So every time I get into that ring and I'm doing something that I regard as the hardest thing I've ever done, and hopefully everyone else who has done the sport or dabbled in it knows how hard it is, can look and be like, wow, that guy, he's, he's so humble, even in his winning. He's... He's so disciplined, even in his winning, even in he's got to this level. I just, all of that is, is what motivates me. That's just how I process it. We are just two sportsmen in, in the sport and you're a human being. I'm a human being. We are under a set of controlled rules and that's it. And from a different perspective, I'm very intrigued mm. by this thing. You have a family. You have a, a small child. Mm -hmm. And of course, as a father, mm -hmm. you are a loving, caring, nourishing person. Mm -hmm. But then you step into the ring and you become something allegedly kind of different. Yeah. How do you handle this switch between you and you? Mm -hmm. Because there is just you there. Yeah. But there are two different environment to different behaviors if you wish i think if i was talking about um if i start with the perspective from my coach dick kwame i think he wouldn't see a switch he would still say joker you're too kind you need to hit with bad intentions he always says that for me how do i see this switch to some degree i do agree um a few coaches have said that to me i do agree i need to i need to be a bit of a mean streak in some of the like really sit into those punches and how I switch is I just think to myself that I've come this far I've got to just win I've got to take this person out and and that's it it's no hard feelings let's say for example I really knocked out someone out cold they were on, like I would feel bad I genuinely genuinely would feel bad because I would think what if they've got kids wife at home you know, a few boxes have knocked out people and they taunt. Like, personally, that's not something I would do. I would want to check that person's okay. Obviously, I know that you can't just go and smother them. You have to give them space, let the medics the care for them. After the fight, I'll check that person's okay. That's just how I handle the switch in terms of as soon as, yeah, as soon as I'm a husband, from being a husband to being a dad to that ring is... I've come this far, I've got to win. I've got to win and that's it. And it's no hard feelings. Can you sense fear in your opponent? 
I sometimes feel like I can, but I don't know if I'm reaching. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've noticed with men is, and I mentioned before, a lot of men are cowards. <laughs> Being a, the difficulties men face, one of the biggest difficulties men face is the idea or is the feeling of feeling embarrassed. And I feel like embarrassment comes from fear. So sometimes I notice men or my opponents will do stuff to almost impose that I'm not scared. But if you weren't scared, you don't need to impose that. For example, if I was to have a face-off, well, I've had a few face-offs, I laugh because I find it funny. You're right in my face or staring at it. I laugh. And some people might read that as a nervous laughter or, oh, he's scared, that's fine. No, but I just genuinely find it funny because, I don't know, for some people, maybe it psychs them up. But I already know that we've come this far. We want to win. We, I don't need any more psyching up. Like, as much as my coach might say I'm too, I'm too merciful, best believe me, when I need to bite down on my gumshield, I'm going to bite down until my jaw is stuck and I'm going to go for that win, you know? Yeah, so with regards to if I can sense fear in my opponents, I feel like at times I have because they've done things where they're trying to prove that they're not scared. And I think by doing that, you're doing the opposite. You're, you're definitely nervous. Maybe you're not scared, like, oh, my God, but you're definitely nervous because you don't need to prove. And I'm, and I'm comfortable with, um, this is one thing that I've always, I've tried to, I'm comfortable with in myself as a man. I don't need to prove to anyone. And boxing's made me even more like this. I don't need to prove that I can, I can fight. I don't need to prove that, like, look at me, I'm, what, five foot three? A lot of people, I'm sure, underestimate me just based off that because you, you can just tell by people's mannerisms and how they deal with you. I just know that I'm comfortable with them myself. I don't need to prove to you that I'm not scared. And uh, can you convey fear instead of sensing fear? Yeah. Can you make him feel fear on um, purpose? To be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I can personally. If they ever feel fearful, they've done it to themselves. Maybe they saw, they saw my physique and thought, wow, he's very shredded. And thought, oh, does that mean he's trained super hard? I don't think I, before a fight, I can make them feel fearful. I think during the fight, once they start to feel my punches or realize, oh, wow, he's too fast. I can't hit him. He's just blocking everything. Or he's slipping, he's rolling. That's when, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at slowly breaking down opponents and that's when I can sense okay you're tiring or something's changed you that's when I can sense it but initially I don't think I don't have that type of demeanor I don't have that like right now I'm rough <laughs> but I don't have that face that looks very fearful my voice isn't crazy deep where it's like oh well you know and do you think in your experience that it's possible to train mind, body, behavior, not to feel fear? No, I don't think it's possible to train not to feel fear. Fear will creep up. And for example, my fear, which hasn't come yet, but it will creep up when there's a potential or something negative happening. So like I mentioned earlier, I haven't been hurt. But if I got hurt to a point where consistently, or even if it happened once where, let's just say I blacked out and my memory was, that would instill fear into me because my wife and my kid. So I don't think you can necessarily train not to feel fear. It will come when you finally realize there's a, there's a consequence of potential negative consequence of something happening because yeah, how do you train yourself not to feel fear? It's just an emotion that just, you know, it could, yeah. Do you believe fear to be an obstacle to achieve things or rather a guide through difficulties? Definitely an obstacle to overcome. <laughs> Definitely an obstacle to overcome. Has this obstacle to be overcome every single time? Again, it then depends if there's that potential negative consequence that 
that you're not willing to risk it. Can I just, sorry, going back to your previous question, can you train to overcome fear? When I first started boxing, naturally, when punches are coming towards your face, you would flinch. Now I don't really flinch. So the training in boxing has made me comfortable with hands coming literally an inch away from my face and I can just parry it away or slip or roll. I'm comfortable with things coming to my face now. So in that sense, you can overcome that initial fear. You can train to overcome that fear. That's an example I can think of. But yeah, it's a tough one in other aspects to train yourself to overcome fear. Do you believe that fear can be eliminated altogether or only faced every time? No, it can't be eliminated altogether because, because it will, like, in my opinion, it will crop up when you have that potential of, of a negative consequence. It will crop up. Yeah. You mentioned this before when you were talking about the face-off and some attitudes to show off, let's say. Mm. But have you experienced fear of failure? Fear of failure. Meaning that I understood what you said before as you see men often being fearful of being in the shame, mm. let's say. This is not to say that shame is fear of failure, but this yeah. to say that how do you understand or make sense of fear of failure in your experience? See, that's an easy one. This is why I feel I'm so good and why I box the way I box and I'm confident because kind of going back to when you mentioned about fear in a sense being an obstacle, I feel for some boxers, their fear of failure, that's why certain boxers may do very well in training, spar well in training. They go to a natural fight and they don't even do half the things in that fight they did in training. Why is that? Now everyone's looking at them. They're, fear they're fearful of being embarrassed. They're fearful of not doing well or looking stupid. So my fear of failure in terms of boxing, I don't necessarily have a fear of failure in, in, in the ring aspect of a boxer beating me up. If a boxer ever beat me up, that wouldn't bother me. <laughs> Do you know why it wouldn't bother me? The simple saying I always hear, and I stick by this, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If I got beat up and people were like, ha, ah, Joe, you got beat up. Okay, do you box? No, shut up then. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It doesn't bother me. I'm doing something that is one of the hardest things in my life. You can laugh at me from behind your couch or from standing outside the ring, but if you've never boxed before, yeah, and if you have boxed and you're laughing at me for losing, then that's, that's even more silly, like, if that makes sense, because you know how hard this sport is. Okay, I was unlucky, I lost. So... In that aspect, I don't have a fear of failing there. My fear of failing in boxing is maybe, maybe I might not be able to inspire people the way I wanted because of that loss. They may, they may, because it's a very harsh sport. When you're winning, you're loved. Lose, and it's like, ah, oh, he's not that good. He was just a, do you know what I mean? Opinions can change very quickly, which I'm seeing. And it's just like, it's like, bloody hell, like. So I'm not fear of losing, i.e. my opponent beating me up. That doesn't fear me at all. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't scare me. That fear of failure in that aspect doesn't scare me. It's the, it's the personal journey I'm on in terms of this sport, of wanting people to realise, you know what, you can do anything you put your mind to if you're just consistent, you believe in yourself, keep trying. That's the part that I'm worried about. Are you afraid of retirement? Boxing retirement. <laughs> oh man, do you know why I'm laughing? <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, if I, no. In many ways, I can't wait, if I'm honest. And it doesn't mean that I don't want it enough, but I've got an amazing wife and daughter, man. And boxing takes so much time away from them. I really want to become, at the very minimum, a British champion, at the very minimum. The sooner I get there, the quicker I can hang my gloves up and be like, wife, kid, daughter, like, all of this time is yours now. Do you know what I mean? Like, hell no, I'm not, I'm not afraid of retirement. 
I question, I question certain things a lot. Like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? But I feel like that's healthy to question it. Sometimes this sport makes you feel like, oh, you're not serious about it if if you have these thoughts or if you're not. Yeah, but that's another story, I guess. Is anxiety any different from fear? I think definition terms, maybe. <laughs> like anxiety, anxiety is the fear of something that hasn't happened yet. Because I read somewhere, anxiety is the fear of something that hasn't happened yet. And depression is the, is the fear of the past, not the fear of the past, but the remembrance of the past, the deep thought of the past. So you're depressed about the past. Anxiety is about things that have not yet even happened. I'm not even going to read the definition of fear and anxiety, which I <laughs> normally do at the end of every interview, because pretty much you, you told already. So fear, <laughs> fear is uh, defined as the fear of uh, harm yeah. in the present, yeah. imminent future slash present. Yeah. And anxiety is defined as unpleasant feeling of nervousness about something that is, it might happen yeah. in the future. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, by the book, I, I'm not even going to ask about this. Mm. So you were saying, apart from a, a dictionary definition, you don't feel or you do feel a difference between the two. That's the most important thing mm. here. What you feel about it. It's the same. I would say it's the same. Like, it's just, it's just different time frames, but it's more or less the same thing. You're fearful, yeah. Without, I'm trying not to use the word fear, but you can't because <laughs> anxiety, you're scared of something. Fear, you're scared of something. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's the same. It's just different time frames. What is the function of fear, in your opinion? The function of fear is, is for survival. <laughs> function of fear is for survival. Um, if we weren't, fearful we would be more reckless think of babies <laughs> babies they they have less inhibitions and so they try more as we get older we then become accustomed to the repercussions of certain things and then we become fearful or anxious so i think the function of fear is it it is for survival do you think that it's possible to integrate fear within ourselves? instead of just trying to work against it, let's say, trying to eliminate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Integrate it, I, I, I agree. What pops into my head now is my defense in boxing. Partially, the, way, the reason why I box the way I do box is because I don't want to get hit. It sounds silly, in a sense, because you would think all boxers don't want to get hit. But... I've seen some boxers have, they have a style where they throw so many punches whilst they're getting hit in the face. So they're not defending, they're just getting hit in the face still. Whereas I'm fearful, not of the pain, but there's no, I'm fearful of that damage. I don't need to take unnecessary damage. So I integrate that fear in that aspect with my defense, which is why I block the way I block. Once I then see an opening, I then throw my shots, I move, throw my shots. Definitely, I agree, you can integrate fear and make it work for you. I'm not sure if I'm going off here, but I feel, I feel like when you hear the word fear, you think negatively, oh, are oh, you scared? Yeah, but being scared isn't a bad thing. It's just what we just spoke about before, survival. I'm scared of taking unnecessary punches to the face. More punches I take, the worse my health could potentially be in terms of my brain taking damage. I'm scared of that, yeah. So it can be integrated to, to better yourself. Well, I cannot not ask you this mm. because I was really impressed by this statement in the previous interviews of yours about your, call it anger management, if you wish. Yeah. So through discipline, through boxing, mm -hmm. and now I am calmer and I don't react with as much anger as I could possibly done in the past. Now, the anger component mm -hmm. of this statement is what I'm interested in. Anger 
Isn't it a viable solution, tool, mechanism, approach in a dangerous slash possibly violent sport as boxing is? Can't you use it? Isn't a tool? Isn't it useful at all? It's funny because many boxers, I think, do use anger as a tool. They use it to psych themselves up. I like to take a different approach because when you're angry, it's almost like your head's clouded. I watched the, I can't remember what Kung Fu film I watched years ago, <laughs> but I think it was a Bruce Lee film and it sticks with me till this day. Like, if you're fighting with rage and anger, you're, you're not relaxed, you're tense, you're not like water, you're not fluid. I don't fight angry, very rarely. My last fight, when I kept getting hugged and held, I lost my head a little, but I wouldn't say I was angry. Frustration and anger, I don't know if some people say I was frustrated, but I wouldn't say I was angry. So for me personally, anger is not a good tool. If I can just box, Imagine, imagine you're boxing someone who's smiling at you as he's just hitting you, he's dancing, he's, you can see he's just having fun and just tapping away at your face, your body. That's going to that's gonna psychologically mash you up a lot more than someone who just looks like... Because then, in some ways, you're just going to mirror that back. I've had times when, in sparring, opponents have tried to punch me out because the coach has even said to me, when I made that guy's nose bleed, for example, he said to me, if that was you, he wouldn't have stopped. I'm like, okay, fair enough. And there's times when coaches will try, boxers will try to punch me out, hit hard and stuff. They're missing, I'm blocking. Then we may end up in a clinch. I might see their, their corner and I might stick my tongue out, but I'll do it in a joking way, just teasing. I'm happy, I'm enjoying it. You tried to punch me, you didn't succeed, you know? For me, to answer your question, anger for me in this sport, I don't see it being a huge beneficial tool. And the last uh, question I would ask you, because it's so important for you, as I understand, this drive to influence positively people, mm -hmm. what is it, where it comes from, why, um. versus any other possible reason? <laughs> because you mentioned health, uh, you mentioned, you know, be strong in the future, mm -hmm. but this thing of, being an example is very strong in you. I mean, it's undeniable. Why? I think a lot of it maybe comes from just growing up in terms of, yeah. So if I think back to my earliest memory, so secondary school, did my GCSEs. My GCSEs weren't the greatest. And not because I wasn't capable, I just didn't, I didn't really apply myself. My sixth form that I applied for didn't accept me. I ended up going to a college. I did three years in college instead of two because I had to do a year to get to do the courses I wanted to do. That was a huge point in my life where I felt a bit shit, if I'm honest. And that's because I compared or thought about some of my other friends who went on to their colleges or sixth forms and having to do two years. You then, you look at Everyone's doing their thing, you're getting a bit older, but you're still in touch by mobile and stuff and talking. And everyone's doing their thing now. We're becoming young men, young adults. Yeah, at 16, would you say you're a young adult? Yeah, okay. And so now two years has gone by and then you talk to your close. I've got a small circle of friends that we've been friends since we were about 13. Yeah, we're still in touch now, about five, six of us. So you talk to a few of them and um, two years have gone by and it's like, Hey guys, I'm going to uni now. Oh, and you're, you're there thinking, oh, damn, I've got one more year of college. Again, you feel shit. Finished the final year of college. I then um, decided at this point, um, and everything's timing. That's what I love about life. And, and it's been a journey for me. It made me realize that everyone does things at different times. You don't need to do things like, you don't have to just complete secondary, college, university, marriage, kid, house, da da da, or whatever order. Things just happen for everyone at different times. You find out about yourself. Some of my friends have gone to uni now. I'm still doing one year in college. One more year because I've done three instead of two. Finally finished that. At that point, I was working part-time. I was working in Lidl. was my first ever job. I was making good money from Lidl. And I didn't know what I wanted to do in uni. So I then took um, a gap year and just worked. Got my um, driving license out of the way. Went on my first ever holiday and things like that. Just found out a bit about myself a bit more. 
then I finally went to uni. By this time, I think my friends are in their second year of uni, or maybe they're in their final year, and I'm starting my first year. You then naturally compare yourself. I'm happy for them. By all means, when I'm saying this, I'm not thinking, oh man, I'm jealous. It's not jealousy, but you just feel like, you feel a bit like a waster, like, oh man, like, they're getting there, they're going up in life. But this is what the world does to you in some way, if you let it as well. And then I've gone to uni and I had an interview about this and I'd, I don't think I told any of my friends this. And maybe when they saw this interview, they were like, oh, wow, we didn't know you felt like this. I went to uni. Um, I studied psychology, by the way. I failed my first year in uni. I felt shit. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt like I wasn't where I wanted to be in life. Whilst all this was happening, I've always felt like I'm not a materialistic person. I'm someone that I want to make a difference to people's lives. Hence why I think I kind of went into the psychology route, understanding the human mind and behaviour. I grew up seeing so much pain, like gang violence, drugs, people selling drugs, people taking drugs, people taking their lives, people being sectioned. And I would say in that sense, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to people's feelings. And I was always that person that you could come and talk to about advice, relationship advice. I was always given advice, but people didn't realize I was struggling if that makes sense. I wouldn't go as far and say I was depressed. I, I wasn't depressed, but I was, I had times where I felt low. I felt like I'm not where I want to be in life. I've got so much potential and the world or people, I haven't been able to show it. So I, I failed my first year of uni. I went to Greenwich University. My mum, she supported me. She said to me that, um, do you know what? Um, don't let it get you down. Maybe go and try a different uni. So I did. I then went to University of East London. Greenwich Uni, their psychology and prospectus had a lot of maths. I'm rubbish with numbers. I love words. English has always been my strongest point. So I went to UEL and I saw they have a lot more English than the maths aspect. Passed my first year. Was, was amazing. Passed my second year. Cool. Third year, I had to pay for myself because I did one year already. The second year of... Coming into third year of uni, my dad passed away. That was hard. I was trying to study with my dad. It was just like, wow. Like, and he, he passed away unexpectedly. And it was just like, oh, wow. So we was in a dilemma. My mum, who was helping me pay for my uni fees, was unable to because of the funeral. And I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. What happened? I had to defer my year. So now... My friends at this point, some of my friends have graduated. I've done four years in uni, technically. Well, technically it was five. This is why I graduated at the age of 23. I failed my first year, went to a different uni, passed, passed, had to defer my final because I couldn't pay the fees. So for me, life has been a journey where I didn't give up. As much as I felt down and knocked back, I didn't give up and I just kept going. So why now I want to inspire people is because when I then got my degree after I deferred it and then done my final year, done my degree, I graduated and I said to my wife, no word of a lie, sometimes I look at my certificate. I didn't even go to my graduation ceremony. I look at my certificate and it was like, just a piece of paper. I don't feel anything from it, if I'm honest. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I love the course. Psychology is amazing. I love it. And I think this is why I am the way I am, because I question a lot. I love to reflect on all of these things. But for me, it was just, just a piece of paper. Boxing then somehow got introduced into my life. And it was through my life experiences and starting boxing so late and hearing these little things like, oh, am I too old? Not me personally. I would hear people who are 18 years old saying they're too old. And I'm there 25 thinking... Okay, you think, oh, I'm still going to do this. Do you know what I mean? And I just want to give back. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, just want to give back. Like, I've, I've had ups, I've had downs, I've had ups, I've had downs. And I want to make a difference to... When you pass away, you don't take your material things with you. What's going to live on is what people remember and the good things they have to say of you. So for me, boxing isn't... I'll just become a world champion or British champion and be known for that. No, I'm more than just a boxer. I'm someone that had so many struggles and 
believe you me, if you just keep going, because that's what made it for me. I kept going. I failed. I, I failed. I kept going. I failed. I kept going. I, do you know what I mean? I had, it's not been smooth sailing for me. So I bring all of this into my boxing. And that's why it means so much to me. It means so much to me because there are some people that they don't realise the struggles you've gone through. And this is why I'm very keen on respect. You do not know what someone's gone through. So it doesn't cost a thing to just be respectful. Talk to them. They're a human being just like you. And then if you find out, oh, you can help them, help them. If they throw it in your face, then you say, that, that's not for you. You move on. It's their loss. Because the way I see it, there are not many people in this world that have a pure or good heart. I'm not perfect, but there aren't many people that will genuinely just want to help you for wanting to help you and not get anything back. Anyways, that's why, that's why this means a lot to me. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so sincere, so open, talking about uh, all these things with, uh, with me and uh, to be here, guest uh, in the podcast. I really do appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you very much to everyone who is listening and uh, everyone who will listen in the future, yeah. hopefully many, to be inspired by the words of Jacquet. And if you have uh, any question that you would like to pose in the future, to future interviewee of Martial Attitude Voice, please let me know so that I can make it happen. As usual, you keep in touch. <laughs>